Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, the safe space for all those filthy casual takes for all the casual sports fans on the world of pro wrestling and sports. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number 112 on this icy yet spicy podcast. Today, it is the final episode for our 2022 NFL season previews as we cover the most wild division that is going to be out there, in my opinion, in this 2022 season. And that is, of course, we're going to be talking about the AFC West division. Four teams that are going to be gunning it out, gunslinger style, mono Imano, old western, high noon. Yes, that is right. It's going to be the biggest of dogfights, in my opinion. I'm predicting it now. It's going to go down the wire when all four of these teams face off. The Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Las Vegas Raiders, even the LA Clippers. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. The LA Chargers. The All these four teams, it's going to be a wild, wild rodeo in 2022. And I, honestly, we saved the best for last. We honestly saved the best division for last. We've gone through 28 teams and nearly half of them were pretty fun to talk about. Others, not so much, but we saved the best for last, ladies and gentlemen. And I got to say, covering all 32 teams, uh, whether it's doing a season recap or doing something like this, has been pretty fun. And doing the prep for it was also interesting to, to look out for uh, as well. So before we get into our our final season preview for our final four teams, we got to talk about some stuff that's been going on in training camp. So just to provide some updates on what's been going on with some some teams that have been, you know, having the most interesting of training camps so far, we got to take a look first at Kyler Murray because he's got this big fat contract extension that the Cardinals gave him. And it, on Tuesday, a interesting clause came out where it explicitly requires him to do four hours of independent film study each week. And he has to limit his time on his tablet, whether that be an iPad or Microsoft Surface tablet. And I got to say, when the the extension was initially first announced, I think it was on Monday, I believe, this past week, I got to admit that I was kind of I was kind of disappointed by Arizona. I mean, sure. Like you need to commit to your long-term current quarterback and you got to get him paid. But damn, <laughs> it was just like to such a mid quarterback that sure, he has natural talent. But when it comes to nut busting time, especially late in the season and when he was in the playoffs against the Rams, he no-showed. He didn't adapt. He couldn't adjust. And apparently, with this clause, um, and yes, it's hip- kind of hypocritical for me to say because I'm just a guy in a chair that's just a filthy casual sports fan um, talking about this kind of stuff. I mean, yes, it's, it's kind of hypocritical for me. I'll admit that. I'm not afraid to admit that. But as the professional athlete in Kyler Murray that he is, he's supposed to do his homework. He's supposed to do the studying that he has to do. And for the Cardinals to explicitly put that in his contract shows some distrust, some some concern when, when you're in Arizona. So the fact that he has to do four hours of independent film study each week, mandatory when you have guys like Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, hell, even... Like even the likes of the of a backup in who know like who's the backup I can think of uh, Jacoby Brissett I don't know they do the film study like outside outside of practice or in their day off they don't need they don't need to be told that they have to do do film study because they they're already prepared they like they have to be prepared for this kind of thing. And the fact that the Cardinals have to explicitly tell Kyler Murray to, to do four hours of studying each week is kind of telling of how Kyler Murray is as a player. I mean, is he lazy? Is he 
Is he stuck in the head? I don't know. But it's kind of telling, like, like what Kyler Murray is as a, as a player. And also, it's kind of interesting that the Cardinals even gave him that contract in the first place. If they knew Kyler Murray was kind of, uh, you know, a demotivated uh, kind of quarterback. So, I mean, they paid him already. They gave him the big money. But, yeah, that's kind of an interesting tale um, that the Cardinals are putting out there. So, moving on from the Arizona Cardinals, uh, another interesting signing happening uh, is happening in the NFL. Julio Jones, yes, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons and the Tennessee Titans, is going back to the NFC South to play with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks on a one-year deal. So, now you have a Tampa Bay Bucks core that has Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, um, Cameron Brate, and now you have Julio Jones in the receiving core. So, I'm not sure how exactly Julio Jones is going to do in that system. And last year, Tennessee was kind of disappointing um, when he was uh, kept getting injury riddled. So, who knows? Maybe he turns it around or maybe just another uh, year like it was in Tennessee. So, going back to the NFC West, Seahawks running back Chris Carson announced his retirement this past week. He had a pretty serious neck injury in 2021, and that's just that's just uh, pretty rough for for a young running back. He he was only in the league for five years, but he had he took a big toll on his body. Um, they also signed um, their former Legion of Boom uh, linebacker KJ Wright because he retired, and you know he wanted to retire Seahawks, so it is what it is. Um, now on to some 49ers news for training camp to end this segment. So Kyle Shanahan on Monday, he officially announced Trey Lance as the starter, as he should, as he freaking should, um, for, for 2022. So he's, Trey Lance has been officially given the, the keys to the core, and now he's going to drive it. He's He has he has that trust in Kyle Shanahan freaking finally. It's about time he, he did that. So I'm excited to see what Trey Lance has to offer in 2022. And I hope Niners fans are too. I know they're still skeptical um, about how Shanahan is going to game plan around him and how Trey Lance um, will be as a passing quarterback rather than a running quarterback. And yes, I have some of those concerns too. But let's see how he does in the preseason. Let's how he, see how he does week one against the, the Bears. Yes, Bears football. So this should be a, an exciting season. If you're a 49ers fan, continuing on with the 49ers, uh, their their old starter Jimmy Garoppolo, he passed a physical on Tuesday. Remember that he got shoulder surgery um, in the offseason that pretty much erased mu- most of the trade talks um, that the 49ers were trying to do in the offseason. Pretty much ruined anything regarding that matter. But he passed his physical uh, this past week uh, on a Tuesday. And now the 49ers are pretty much free of clearing. Uh, they're pretty much clear of having to pay a $7.5 million injury guarantee that they would have had to pay if he didn't pass the physical and released him outright. So now they're free to pretty much do whatever they want with Jimmy G. They could wait it out until the preseason um, and see what happens with other teams' quarterback situation, get a trade partner, although I imagine that they would have to take a decent amount of trade salary, uh, uh, money, uh, whatever Jimmy Garoppolo's contract is, or they wait until cutdown day and release him and get that $25 million that they honestly need to get one Debo Samuel to get his contract extension done. Speaking of Debo Samuel, he was at camp, but he's doing individual workouts. So, I mean, hey, the fact that Debo Samuel is back at the 49ers facility... You know, he's still maintaining a positive relationship with everyone. It's good to see. Now, it's a matter of getting that deal done. And now, finally, D. Ford, uh, this offensive lineman for the 49ers for about three years, 2019. He was officially released by the team on Wednesday. And, man, that deal that they did in 2019, it's it was a big flop. It was a pretty big flop for the 49ers. Uh, he, they, he only played about 18 games for them because he had various injuries. 
and unfortunately, he just couldn't recover from most of them. So, yeah, that $85 million contract for five years, not looking so good. Not looking so good for, for John Lynch. A, a pretty massive flop, if, if you ask me. So that was uh, tra- some training camp updates in regards to some teams that I wanted to talk about. So what do you get think about these updates? How is your team looking on pretty much the first week of training camp? I know it's still early. We haven't reached the preseason yet, but... You know, there are already some interesting developments going on as we get towards the start of the preseason. So there's that. So now we can talk about our final four teams of our our NFL 2022 season previews. And that is, of course, the AFC West. The AFC West in 2022 is going to be shaping up to be a dogfight. You have the Denver Broncos, who got a new quarterback and a very proven one. You also have the Las Vegas Raiders, who went through a lot of adversity in 2021. And they followed up that adversity by getting their quarterback in Derek Carr. His old buddy from Fresno, we will mention later on when we talk about them. The LA Chargers, well, they had their typical year of clippering like their basketball counterpart. And they missed out on the playoffs on the very last field goal in 2021. But they made some very good additions. And as for the division-leading Kansas City Chiefs, well, let's say that their offseason was not as great as their other three counterparts. But they still have their quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. And that's why I think that this, this division is going to be the most competitive out of the bunch out of all eight, out of all eight divisions, out of the other twenty-eight teams, these four are going to be the most competitive. Um, they're going to be fighting each other very hard to not only for the division title, but just to get even get into the playoffs. So that's why I'm so excited to talk about the AFC West today, and I hope you all of you watching are excited to hear me talk about them. So with that being said, let's get started talking about this. Wild, wild west of a division. So the first team that we're going to be talking about today is in the mile high, and that is the Denver Broncos. Now, if you're in Broncos County, for the last couple of years, it has not been kind, especially ever since Peyton Manning retired, got you to a Super Bowl in Super Bowl 50, and pretty much went out with a bang uh, for his career. But unfortunately, since then, things have not been kind. You've been through multiple quarterbacks. Uh, Your defense has regressed. And, well, we don't need to say more about the offense. Uh, you also gone through a couple of new head coaches, but 2022 could present some change, especially after how 2021 went, which pretty much proved to be the last straw. So Denver in that season were one of the teams that had a 3-0 start, but a fluky one because, well, the teams that they beat, the, the Giants, the Jaguars, the Jets, all pretty bad teams in 2021. And then after that, they went 4-10 the rest of the way because, well, their offense sucked yet again. Vic Fangio kept fucking around with the offensive game plan, and he didn't know what to do at quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater was, uh, he, was he wasn't outright terrible, but he was, I'd say he's below average. He was very below average, um, and he didn't know, like, what to do with the ball, but Drew Locke was just, okay, he was terrible. Um, so neither of them could advance the ball, stretch the field. Um, They barely could score points um, in in the passing perspective. So the only positive thing when it comes to the Denver Broncos offense in 2021 was their running back core of of Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, that two-headed running back attack. And this was all despite having a top five defense. So for the Denver Broncos, a seven and ten, seven ten record was was it looked okay on on paper, but when you look at the grand scheme of things, it was bad. It was another bad year for Denver. Vic Fangio was finally let go, and in came in former Packers Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who has worked with a two time MVP, uh, two straight MVP in Aaron Rodgers. So for the Denver Broncos, you got this head coach. Now you need a quarterback. 
and you want to have that goal of finally getting over the hump and getting back to the playoffs for the first time since Payne Manning retired and maybe even go for more. And, well, looking at their biggest key offseason move, they are one step towards making that goal happen. And that, of course, is the, the trade to get Russell Wilson out of Seattle to go to the mile high. So, yes, they went out, gave up a shit ton to go get Russell Wilson. So, at the time, yes, it was like a pretty unexpected trade. Pretty unexpected. Because of all the teams that um, Russell Wilson was predicted to go to, the Saints, uh, uh, the Dolphins, or who know, like what I forgot what other teams were there, but the Denver Broncos, I don't think he was on that list. So, Russell Wilson, now Denver Bronco. Uh, the, the the Denver Broncos gave up Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive end Shelby Harris, a couple of first and second round picks, and a fifth round pick. So a pretty massive haul just to get Russell Wilson, to get the quarterback um, that could take them to the promised land. And it's it's looking very it's looking very good if you're in the mile high, especially with the additions that they put around uh, their new quarterback. That plagued that plagued him in Seattle, like an offensive line, investing in that group and investing in the pass rush, such as getting some additions from the 49ers, like offensive tackle Tom Compton, and in the defensive side, defensive tackle DJ Jones, and in the secondary, K1 Williams at corner. And then even more in the pass rush, when you get Randy Gregory from the Dallas Cowboys, that pass rush has been intensified. And Looking at some of the re-signings, you had Melvin Gordon, which is which was kind of an odd re-signing, but you still got that two-headed attack at, with Gordon and Javante Williams. Um, safety Kareem Jackson is staying on, so a Denver defense is getting really dangerous there. And the losses, they they were not that bad. You lose Bryce Callahan to the LA Chargers. You lose your other corner in Cal Fuller to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Micah Kaiser goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, so... All in all, um, your additions um, outweigh your losses. So if you're the Denver Broncos, it wasn't too bad. So looking at some of their draft picks, um, they didn't have much because, well, the Russell Wilson trade. Um, they drafted a tight end from UCLA by the name of Gray Dulcich, um, as well as getting a linebacker by the name of Nick Bonito. So adding more pieces to um, both sides of the ball. And... For the Denver Broncos this season, this is a this is almost a complete team, almost because we don't know how far Russell Wilson can take them. Like, sure, he elevates them to playoff, maybe deep playoff contention, um, because well, he's he's taking the Seahawks the Seahawks to um, the playoffs multiple times. Well, aside from the fact that the Seahawks haven't made made it back to the NFC Championship game since, you know, which Super Bowl. Um, but Russell Wilson, nonetheless, has made it to back-to-back Super Bowls. He's won a Super Bowl. So you you know what you're getting from Russell Wilson. He elevates this team. But can he elevate the rest of the offense? That's that's the other important thing to keep in mind here. Like, a lot of, a lot of these players on offense still have something to prove. Like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Javante Williams, Tim Patrick, uh, Greg Dulcich. The defense is still a top five defense, so they're fine. But when it gets to um, the case of whether or not they're in playoff contention, like if they get to that point, they have to get that experience um, in, in those biggest of games. So, yes, Russell Wilson makes them a playoff contender. But how far can he take them? How far can he take them when those games really matter? That remains to be seen. So looking at some of their key games in 2022, it's the very first game in Seattle. (laughs) Right away, Russell Wilson gets to go back to the place he started his career. And I am very excited to see this game unfold. Um, It's a Monday nighter. um, So you get to not only see the debut of 
Russell Wilson in a Broncos uniform. You also get to see the debut of the Monday night crew of, well, the NFL and Fox guys, the top crew. But it's going to be interesting that you like how the, the Seahawks crowd reacts to Russell Wilson when he comes out. Are they going to give him the Tom Brady treatment where Tom Brady was cheered um, during introductions and, the, and then during the game, he was booed every time he tried to throw the ball. And then after the game, he was like celebrated again. Or is it going to be like the, that LeBron James Miami Heat situation or Kevin Durant when he went back to Oklahoma City kind of situation where they just relentlessly booed him? So it's going to be an interesting game, a very interesting game. I mean, we know how Seattle's going to be in 2022, um, but this game for Denver is going to be like kind of like that first test for them. Yes, it's Seattle, but you know, for the Denver Broncos are going to be like a team that sure we have a new quarterback, but you know we have to like figure things out first. Then you have a week three game against the 49ers at home on a Sunday night. You're playing against a very good defense and. A quarterback that has a lot of upside potential in Trey Lance. Sure, it's your old division rival uh, for Russell Wilson, but you want to make sure you get this uh, victory out if you're Denver. Um, then things start picking up in terms of the AFC West perspective because now you got to go to Las Vegas the week after to play the, the Raiders and who have a new toy on offense and a improved defense as well. Then you go to the LA Chargers uh, two weeks after to play a... <laughs> Pretty similar, but also maybe even more balanced team than Denver. So who knows? Who knows how they match up? And then late in the season, that's where things get interesting because whether or not you'll be in contention for that AFC West crown or just trying to compete for a playoff spot because there's only so much room for many of them. Yet you play Kansas City in week 14, you host them, and then on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and then in Christmas, uh, New Year's Day, you play the LA Rams in in SoFi on Christmas Day, and then you go to Kansas City to play the Chiefs on New Year's Day. Man, that they that that's where things get very very interesting. So for the Denver Broncos, it's going to be a fun season for them. Um, I know people are very excited um, to see how this team does. The quarterback that they've finally been been wanting. Um, a quarterback that can finally elevate this team to new heights. But, you know, how does how does Russell Wilson like how like how does he eventually pan out? Like how does he like he how will he settle in? Um, how how does he, how does he spread that ball out like in a in a good way, in a balanced attack? When you have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Greg Dulich, and maybe even Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Like, how do you evenly distribute that? There's a lot of questions to answer for this offense. We know so much about the defense already. We know their potential. So, Denver, you can you easily you can easily see 10 to 13 wins. But it all depends on how this offense does. How Russell Wilson, how far he takes them this coming season. Next up, we're going to be taking a look at the other LA team in SoFi Stadium, and that is, of course, the LA Clippers. Wait, is that right? The LA Clippers? Uh, let me take a look here. Oh, sorry. It's the LA Chargers, because why do I call them the Clippers? Well, because they keep bleh, they keep choking it up each and every year with an opportunity, each and every opportunity that they get. And that was the same case in 2021. They get off to this good start, this very good start. Justin Herbert has a pretty damn good uh, start to the season and ended up having a really good season um, by the end of things. They go 4-1 and one to start the season. They upset the division rival Kansas City Chiefs and defending AFC champions. But things got a little ugly um, in the middle portion of the season. And that started with a blowout loss to the Baltimore Ravens. They go 2-4, and four, um, including some ugly losses to the Philadelphia, uh, not to the Philadelphia Eagles, but to the New England Patriots. Um, but then they win two straight um, to snap that streak. They went in five, going into a crucial Thursday night matchup against the Chiefs at home. And they had an opportunity to, to get their grasp on the AFC West permanently 
from the Chiefs. But instead of uh, firmly grasping on the AFC West with the victory, because with the victory, they swept the season series. There's no way, unless they, they choked, they, there's no way that the Chiefs would catch them in the division race because the next game that they would, would, they would have won, the Chargers were AFC West champions. But instead, they let that opportunity slip away in overtime, and that game ended up being the catalyst for, for the Chargers to clipper up their final three or four games. Um, they lost a, a very, <laughs> very winnable game against the Houston Texans, but in fairness, um, they lost half of their team, the COVID-19 protocols. Um, and the Chiefs wound up winning the division against the Steelers that week as well. And they lose, a, again, another opportunity to be in the playoffs in a win-or-go-home situation against the Las Vegas Raiders in a thrilling Sunday night game to end the season. And here's the thing. The Raiders were basically helping them out. They were, I'm going to, I'm still sticking to this. Seven months later, the Raiders were basically helping out the Clippers get into the playoffs by burning the rest of the clock that was left in overtime to tie the game. They were, yes, they were helping each other out. But Brandon Staley got so damn stupid by calling a timeout and it changed everything for Rich Passaccia and the Raiders. And they elected to go for it on a third down and seal the game away on a field goal. And that left the Clippers out of the playoffs yet again, wasting a great performance from Justin Herbert and a great season from him. How stupid are the Clippers? So if you're the LA Clippers to prevent another Clippering in 2022, especially against a highly competitive AFC West division, you gotta help Justin Herbert. You gotta help him reach that promised land of experiencing the playoffs for the very first time in his career. I know it's his third year, but you gotta help him out, man. You you already helped him out with the offensive line last offseason. Now you gotta help him out with the defense. And so did they. So looking at some of their key offseason moves in free agency in the draft. You re-signed Mike Williams and Jalen Guyton. So two key pieces in that offense to help out uh, Keenan Allen. They re-signed defensive end Christian Covington and their kicker, Dustin Hopkins, who proved out to be pretty solid and reliable somewhat um, when they signed him midseason. Excuse me. But their biggest additions were, of course, on defense, and they exactly nailed that. They got J.C. Jackson from New England. They also got Kyle Van Noy, um, their outside linebacker. So... J.C. Jackson will be very valuable to the development of Asante Samuel Jr. They also got in a trade, Khalil Mack from the Chicago Bears. Um, just All they had to give up was a second-round pick um, in this year's draft and a future sixth-round pick. So for the Chargers, they upgraded in the secondary in the pass rush already. They also got Sebastian Joseph Day from, the, uh, from their crosstown rival Rams and Austin Johnson from the New York Giants, both uh, defensive tackles. And honestly, they didn't lose much. They didn't lose much in free agency. Um, all they lost was Brian Balaga. Um, they released him because of the injuries. And that was pretty much it. That was the only major loss that they encountered. Now, looking at some of their draft picks, um, they continued to invest in the offensive line because, you know, protecting Justin Herbert always is the number one priority, but of course getting him some help on defense is too. They got a uh, guard from Boston College in Zion Johnson um, at safety from Baylor, JT Woods and UCLA defensive tackle uh, Tito Ogbonia, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> so, for the LA Chargers, like I said, their biggest weakness was on defense in 2021. They couldn't stop the run. That proved to be crucial uh, against Josh Jacobs and the Raiders in that season-ending loss. They couldn't stop any teams from converting third downs. So what they do in the offseason? Get Khalil Mack. Get Kyle Van Noy to beef up that run defense, to beef up the pass rush. They should be nice pieces opposite Joey Bosa and Christian Covington on that defensive line. But, of course, they got to stay healthy. 
in order for that LA run defense to dominate in the trenches. Uh, Khalil Mack hasn't really had uh, a fully healthy season um, in, the, in the past year or so. So they just got to stay healthy, make it come together for them to thrive. As for JC Jackson, like I said, real she, he should be a big addition to that Chargers secondary that also has Derwin James at safety. So who knows if they can make or break this Chargers defense. Now, looking at some of their key games in 2022, um, as with the Denver Broncos, as with the Las Vegas Raiders, as with the Kansas City Chiefs, it's basically every AFC West game that's out there. So every game counts in this division. If you lose any or get swept by any division rival, you are screwed. You are screwed if you're the LA Chargers. Same goes for every team in this division. But looking at some of their non-division games, Week 10 against the 49ers in San Francisco or Santa Clara against a promising young quarterback in Trey Lance. And then you have a game in Week 14 against the Miami Dolphins that could prove to be crucial um, if the Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa and Tyreek Hill, um, if they're in playoff contention by that point. And then the Week 17 game on New Year's Day against the LA Rams. The Chargers are the home team. <laughs> but we'll see how that fares out. Um, which which fan base in LA will will be more prominent in this in this game? That's pretty much their own stadium, so we'll see how that fares out. So if you're the Chargers, um, they they really invested well on the defensive end, um, but you know how much will these offseason additions really help them? I mean, JC Jackson's a really good corner. Um, getting Khalil Mack was key to getting Joey Bosa some help. Um, but, of course, when you actually get on the field, um, when you actually go out there and perform, everything will depend on how they actually do. And, of course, how will Justin Herbert do? I mean, he's had two uh, really good seasons so far, one Offensive Rookie of the Year um, and in 2020, and he followed up, up, up that success with another good season in 2021. But, unfortunately, the rest of his team let him down. So, can Justin Herbert continue his success from last season? So, for, for the LA Chargers, just don't clip her up. That's your main thing. You got Justin Herbert a lot of help already. Now, just go out there, deliver, put out a good game plan, stick to it, don't get conservative, don't, don't choke, don't clip her up. Just hope and pray that the football guys, the football guys and gods are nice to you. And maybe, just maybe, you'll eke out maybe 9 to 12 wins this season. And yes, that's that's being nice considering that the AFC and your own division is pretty damn competitive. But if you want to achieve that goal, just don't clip her up. Ha. So let's take a trip down to Las Vegas, to the Sin City, to take a look at the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, we're going to take a roll of the dice. We're going to take a gamble here. Because that's exactly what the Raiders did in 2021. They took a very big gamble, and it was a mix of good and bad in in that in last season. Because it was a, a season of hell and high water. They started three and zero. Two of those victories came in overtime against the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins. But then things start to tailspin um, following Week Five. Um, there's this email scandal by then head coach John Gruden where he said a lot of very bad things um, to a variety of teams and players, and that led to his resi resignation. And in the interim, special teams coach Rich Bisacci at the time took his place. And then you get to the bye week. You're five and two. You're you still feel pretty solid of where you are, and then things really go downhill. Receiver Henry Ruggs gets involved in a deadly DUI car crash that kills another driver um, and her dog, and he is facing a, some serious jail time, maybe even a life sentence. Um, and corner Damon Arnett, um, a week later on Instagram Live, oddly shows off some some firearms and makes some death threats on 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 a, a live social media broadcast. So both of them end up getting released. So, at, at that point in the season, when you come off your bye against the New York Giants, 
they clearly looked like they were emotionally impacted and not just emotionally impacted, but like from a football standpoint, standpoint impacted as well, because there was no downfield threat for Derek Carr. Um, There's not really much of a top option for him. Um, that defense had an even harder time on third down, um, stopping teams um, from converting first down, stopping um, teams from from convert from make from making points, and they would lose their next five or six. They got embarrassingly swept by the Kansas City Chiefs, um, where the Las Vegas Raiders got outscored twenty three to eighty nine. Yeah, in those two games, and that included a Sunday night embarrassment at home. But they, they, their gamble, um, all that bad luck, it, it kind of took a, a left turn. They, they got a little, they got some, uh, they got some, some dough, if you know what I mean. Because Chargers clippered up, um, other AFC wildcard teams like the Miami Dolphins, um, they, they lucked out, um, uh, in a bad way. And the Raiders, you know, they fought through one last run. They won four straight. Um, they even got some key victories against the Indianapolis Colts and the LA Chargers to net a playoff berth. And a lot of that had to do with the play of Derek Carr and the breakout of, of slot receiver Hunter Renfro, who looked pretty damn good um, in, in those four games. And yes, they lost a close game to the Cincinnati Bengals, the eventual AFC champions, but... The fact that they even got to that point of getting a playoff game and cutting it close to the Bengals is astonishing. Like, a lot of players deserve credit. Rich Pistachio deserves credit um, to getting to fight through that adversity and make it to that point. Uh, it's just unfortunate that Rich Pistachio was not um, put on as a permanent head coach. Um, but, hey... You got to respect him for what he did to get him to that point. Now, in the offseason, they hired New England Patriots uh, offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, um, as well as an executive, an executive by the name of Dave Ziegler, to be the next GM head coaching duo. So, I mean, Josh McDaniels is known for working with Tom Brady um, for much of his life, and he last worked with Mac Jones before getting hired. So for the Raiders, your top goal is obviously to get back to the playoffs and make a deep run with Derek Carr. Now, your steps towards making that goal started with the offseason after you had hired McDaniels and Ziegler. Looking at some of their key offseason uh, moves, you re-signed Derek Carr. You extended Max Crosby. You also re- uh, extended Hunter Renfro. So your key three guys have all been extended for a long-term future. So... We'll see if it pans out, and we'll see if it works out. But looking at some of the additions, this is where the Las Vegas Raiders um, really um, stood out um, in this department. They they made a massive trade um, to go out and get Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers, get another weapon for him, uh, for Derek Carr. Because, well, as evident in 2021, I means Hunter Renfro is a good, reliable option. Uh, Darren Waller is also pretty solid, but you don't have a downfield threat. And that's where Devontae Adams comes in, um, especially during his time with Aaron Rodgers with the Packers. And all they had to give up was a was their first round pick, first round and second round pick in this year's draft. So a win, a win for the, the Raiders. They didn't really have to give up much. So looking at their other additions, you look at Chandler Jones, the linebacker from the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Kenny Young from the Denver Broncos, uh, corner Chris Jones from the Tennessee Titans, and in a player swap, uh, they got corner Rocky Sin from the Indianapolis Colts, and they gave up uh, defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. So for the Raiders, they got some pretty good additions um, in the offseason to to balance out um, their new their new team going to 2022. So looking at some of their losses, um, as a result of their new additions, they lost uh, Marcus Mariota, their backup, and Casey Hayward, their corner, to the Atlanta Falcons. They also lost Zay Jones, but then again, they didn't really want to overpay him to the Jaguars. Um, they also lost uh, Corey Littleton to the Carolina Panthers. Um, he was a solid linebacker for them. And they also released Carl Nassib, the defensive end. So 
overall, I mean, if you're the Raiders, it wasn't so bad. Looking at some of their draft picks, um, they didn't have that many because of the Devontae Adams trade. Um, looking at guard Dylan Parham from Memphis, so you're hoping he pans out on the offensive line and defensive tackle Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU. So for the Raiders uh, this coming season, I mean, they're not exactly a like a perfect team. I mean, they sure they got better on offense, but they still have some few a few question marks in the secondary um, because I mean you 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 did get some you did get a couple corners in Chris Jones and Rockerston, but like how will they actually do? Um, how is that safety spot? Um, how will the pass rush do? That's now led by uh, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. So the secondary is kind of the the big question mark that should be on everybody's mind. Um, and then as for the offense, how is Derek Carr going to do? He's going to pretty much determine how successful this team does. Because, I mean, Derek Carr is known for being a checkdown artist. Um, but as evidence late in the season, he can get aggressive. He can get pretty aggressive um, with his decision-making. He can throw the deep ball um, when needed. So we, can, we, we should see more of that, especially now that he has Josh McDaniels as his play caller. So you got a pretty solid offense with Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Josh Jacobs. Let's just hope Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels maximizes on this potential. So looking at some of the key games going into this season, like with every other team in the division, it's every game in the AFC West. And the Raiders immediately have one in week one in Los Angeles against the Chargers. So right out of the gate, you're testing out your your new dynamic offense against the Chargers' new dynamic defense. So you got to figure things out there. And then week four against the Denver Broncos at home. And right after that, week five against the, Ch- the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. So who knows? Maybe a revenge game of sorts. Um, for that embarrassing blowout. Just don't dance on their logo this time around. Um, the week prior the, to the Denver game, you go to Tennessee to take on the Titans um, against a potentially weaker um, Titans offense. So who knows if you could take care of them or not. Um, you have a couple of uh, late season key games, like week 10 against the Indianapolis Colts, against Matt Ryan, against Jonathan Taylor, um, week 15 against the New England Patriots at home. So... You can't really count out um, Mac Jones and Bill Belichick yet, but who knows where they'll be at at that point in the season. And then the final slate of the season, your final home slate of the season, week 17 and 18, you're playing the 49ers. Um, yes, it's not the Battle of the Bay necessarily, but you're still pretty much hated division rivals. Uh, not division rivals, but hated rivals um, because of your history. And in week 18 at home against the Chiefs in, well, depending on where things stand, Either team could be fighting for a playoff spot or for the division crown. So going into the season, you face a lot of questions um, about the offense, about the defense. Like this is this is not exactly a better team than the Broncos or the Chargers, but then you could say that about the, the other teams, vice versa. But the biggest question for me going into this season for the Raiders is about Josh McDaniels. How is he going to be? Um, we know what kind of plays he calls, but how is he going to be as like a person from a morality standpoint? Because during his time in Denver, he wasn't exactly the greatest. Um, he's pretty immature, um, to, to be, to be precise. Um, he pretty much like let go of Jay Cutler. He didn't despise Jay Cutler, um, and ran him out of town and he was not a people person. Um, in Denver, and that got him fired. So, how much has changed from his time in Denver as a head coach? And yes, he spent a large majority of his career since then um, in New England as an offensive coordinator, and now he's back to a head coaching position in in Las Vegas with the Raiders. So, do we see a better, newer head coach in Josh McDaniels in terms of you know being a, a people's person? Or do we get more of the same? I mean, you know, things have changed um, for some people, but uh, some sometimes it also stays the same. 
So for the Raiders, you know, it could go a couple of ways for them. You know, depending on how things are with the offense, um, how things are with Derek Carr. Um, at worst, they could do eight wins, um, eight and nine, or maybe they could go ten wins. But this is a very competitive division. Um, it'll all depend. This this whole season will all will mostly depend on how Derek Carr does, um, how much he can advance that offense with s- such a talented group with that's led by Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro for the most part, and how that defense fares with a secondary that you know seems a little suspect still. So for the Las Vegas Raiders, they're rolling the dice this coming fall, and let's see which which card they'll draw in Las Vegas. So the final team that we're going to be talking about in our AFC West 2022 preview and our NFL season preview month is, of course, the reigning, defending, undisputed AFC West champions and pretty much the dominant team in the AFC for the better part of three to four years. And that is, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, it's kind of a... I say this for a lot of teams, but for the Chiefs, this could be an interesting season for them, for better or for worse. And this season uh, provided a lot of turn could provide a lot of turnover because following 2021, um, during that during that season, they were coming off uh, losing the Super Bowl in a very bad way to the Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady, um, and they pretty much lost their title defense um, in back to back Super Bowls. And going into 2021, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they they had a retooled offensive line, which was the biggest weakness in that Super Bowl blowout to the Bucks. And they were pretty much wanting to go back. They wanted to go back to their third straight Super Bowl, get the redemption, whoever they were going to face, and get Mahomes and company a second Super Bowl title. But unfortunately, you know, things like Mahomes turned the ball over more than usual. The defense going back to that 2018 level of play. Um, giving up so many yards, so many points. That would contribute to a lot of ugly losses. And by the midway point of the season, they were 3-4. and four. And a lot of people like myself were wondering, um, are the Chiefs going to be another victim of the Super Bowl loser's curse? Where pretty much after a team loses the Super Bowl, they do either poorly or don't live up to expectations. Or they just do flat out bad. But then you you get wins out of the New York Giants uh, in the Green Bay Packers. And slowly but surely, you're, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are getting back on track. Those two problem areas that they were having, um, they would slightly improve over time. And then you're on an eight-game winning streak. Um, and that included a critical Thursday night game against the LA Chargers in overtime. And that game and also ended up being pivotal in winning the AFC West against the Steelers a week later and the Clippers losing to the Houston Texans of all teams. So for the Kansas City Chiefs, you're pretty much back to the status quo. Patrick Mahomes is performing well again. The defense is doing good too. But because you lost to the Tennessee Titans during that three and four stretch, you you lost out on a chance to clinch the top seed, um, especially solidified by the fact that you, you had that eight-game winning streak snapped by the Cincinnati Bengals in an upset. But in all honesty, it wouldn't matter come playoff time. Um, you easily dispose of the Steelers and wash dash Big Ben. And you barely outlast Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in a thrilling, nail-biting um, divisional game. And you get, you're back in the AFC Championship game. All you had to do was overcome the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow with their crappy offensive line, who somehow managed to get past the Tennessee Titans in their nine-sack sandwich. But against the Cincinnati Bengals, um, despite having a 21-3 lead before halftime, they seemed poised to make good on that promise of returning to the Super Bowl um, and gain their redemption. But then the second half happens. Conservative coaching from Andy Reid, mistakes from Patrick Mahomes, the 2018 level of defense, pretty much the mistakes of Chiefs history, it comes back to bite them in the ass. And that allows Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and that Bengals team to claw back into the game. They even took the lead late. 
And then the Chiefs managed to to force a force overtime on a field goal. And then when it came to the overtime coin toss, and then people were wondering, oh shit, is this just like the Bills game? The Chiefs won the overtime coin toss. Are, uh, are the Chiefs going to win it? And then we get to overtime. The Chiefs won the coin toss, but unlike the Bills game, the Chiefs get, tur- get turn the ball over. Mahomes forces a pass into to Jesse Bates, I believe it was, and all they can do was watch Cincy milk it all the way down the field and kick their Super Bowl return dreams away for good. So a disappointing end, but if you're the Chiefs, you know, you at least managed to overcome the Super Bowl loser's curse. You at least managed to get to the AFC Championship game. Most of the teams in the last decade couldn't even say that. So, of course, if you're Mahomes and that Chiefs team, you want to get back to the Super Bowl in 2022. And that goal is definitely going to be harder with a much more competitive AFC West and and a more competitive AFC. So looking at some of the key moves in the offseason, you re-sign Jared McKinnon, you extend Frank Clark, you also re-sign tackle Andrew Wiley. And then looking at some of their additions, it's honestly not many to counter the losses that you had in the offseason. You, you signed safety Justin Reed to um, from the Houston Texans, and there's a good reason for that signing. You also signed receivers Marquez Valdez-Scantling from the Packers, receiver Juju Schuster, which was surprising considering that you'd think that he would want to play for the Steelers again, but I guess not. They also signed Ronald Jones from the Tampa Bay Bucks, even though they have a litany of running backs um, on in Kansas City. But then this is where things get really interesting. They lost a lot of key people. Firstly, their biggest piece on offense, aside from Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. They lost their speed. They lost their speedster in Tyreek Hill because I guess they didn't want to pay a massive amount of money to to him, so they shipped him off to the Miami Dolphins. And in return, they got a big haulback. A, a first-round pick, second-round pick, fourth-round pick in this year's draft, and a couple of uh, late-round picks in next year's draft. So they get a big haul in return, but they lose their their speed, their proven speedy receiver. Um, and in my opinion, that's bad. That's very bad. So they also lose um, their leader on defense, Tyron Matthew, um, and as well as strong safety, Daniel Sorensen, to the New Orleans Saints. So Tyron Matthew went home. He he went home to play um, for his homecoming team, the Saints. Uh, Charverius Ward, the corner, went to the 49ers. Uh, Byron Pringle, their fourth or fifth receiver, went to the Chicago Bears to play some Bears football. Uh, Melvin Ingram, their outside linebacker that they got midseason, um, went to the Miami Dolphins as well. So looking at some of their draft picks, um, they got a corner by the name of Trent McDuffie to replace uh, Charverius Ward. Um, McDuffie is from Washington. Um, George Karlaftis from Purdue, defensive end. Um, West From Western Michigan, a receiver by the name of Sky Moore. So pretty solid um, picks, key picks from the Kansas City Chiefs. But the, here's the thing. Here's the thing if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. You added guys like Juju Schuster, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, and Sky Moore. In my opinion, I don't think that's enough to replace Tyreek Hill. And yes, you have Travis Kelsey, but defenses are going to double him even more. They're going to attack him even more. And Valdez-Scantling is wasn't exactly the best receiver. He wasn't even a, a like an average receiver um, when he was Aaron Rodgers in, in the Packers. Juju's sister, I mean, he was he was better he was better than Chase Claypool at least, um, but nothing to brag about. Um, and we'll see how Sky Moore pans out. Maybe he like maybe he'll provide, provide the speed that they lost with Tyreek Hill. So we don't know yet. Like we we don't know yet. But for now, all three of those guys are not enough to replace Tyreek Hill, and definitely 
teams are going to attack Travis Kelsey even more. The defense is another story. It's it, it's very troublesome right now. Um, Tyron Matthew was the leader on that team. Who who's going to do? Who's going to be um, that guy that calls out um, the defense for its problems? Who's going to be the guy that um, you know is is the is the guy who's the guy on that defense that calls out the plays? Who steps up when it matters most? Uh, it's just worrisome. It's just worrisome. Um, sure, you have a good pass rush, but that can only do so much when your secondary is giving up a lot of yards, a lot of points to opposing offenses. So whoever it is between, especially in the corner spot, between DeAndre Baker, Rashawn Fenn, LeJarrius Sneed, the other, the rookies that they drafted, I don't know. It, I don't think it's enough. Like they're they're being tasked with so much in just trying to improve one of the most middling secondaries in the NFL last from last year. Especially considering the fact that they're gonna be competing against a much more competitive slate of quarterbacks in the AFC, let alone their own division. So looking at some of their key games in 2022, like with every other team that has been discussed, it's every single game in the AFC West, such as the case they're Home opening game against the LA Chargers on a Thursday night. And that's the first Thursday night game on Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> so they also faced the, the, the Raiders on, on on week five. So critical matchup there as well against Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and that and and that team. So you better watch out for um that sleeper of a team. Then week 14 is where things get interesting. Um, they played the Denver Broncos, and I think it will be a Sunday night game. Um, you're playing Russell Wilson for the first time um, in in a Denver uniform, and you're playing just as an explosive offense as yours um, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. So <laughs> that could get very interesting, and depending on where the Chiefs stand um, going in by that point in the season. So, of course, if you're Mahomes, if you're Kelsey, how do you adjust to this new offense without Tyreek Hill? Um, Like, where's the speed coming from? Where's, is it coming from Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore? Like, where's the speed? Like, who's the top receiving option in this this offense? Like, it, like, where, where is it? Where is it coming from? We're about to find out. Um, in the next coming like weeks, months, because I believe the receiving core like downgraded a bunch in in this, in this off season. And who like who's gonna be the starting running back? Because they have a lot. They have a lot of running backs now. They have Clyde Edwards Hilaire, they have Ronald Jones, they have they just re-signed Jerick McKinnon. Like, who's gonna be the starting back? Like, who's gonna be the starting running back for that team? They they signed so many running backs. Like, who are they? The 49ers? <laughs> so, for the Chiefs defense, like, are they going to be, like, somewhat of a lockdown defense, or are they just going to be the same one in 20, 2021? So, a lot of questions to be answered for the Kansas City Chiefs as they try to defend their throne as the best in, in the division, as well as their place among the AFC elite. So for the Chiefs, I mean, yes, you got a, a really good quarterback and a proven one in Patrick Mahomes, who has been dominating this division for the last couple of years. But you lost a lot of key players. Um, and this division is only getting better, at least on paper, until, yeah, they prove otherwise. But for the Chiefs, I still have them winning at least 10 to 13 wins until we get to the actual start of the season. Because we don't know what to expect for the Denver Broncos yet with Russell Wilson. Um, we don't know if the Chargers' additions on on the defensive end actually hold up. And, you know, we know Justin Herbert's good, but we don't know how he holds up. The LA, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, um, Derek Carr will, deter- will define how their season goes. So, for the Chiefs, like, we know what they can do. It's just how they overcome all those losses um, in the offseason will determine how well they do. So, 
for Kansas City, it's going to be a dogfight for them in this coming season. And with that, that is a wrap on the NFL 2022 season preview month. All 32 teams done. We are done with our season previews for the 2022 season. And I thank all of you for uh, whether you're old or new listeners of the podcast. I thank you all for taking the time to listen to these episodes, listening to the clips, whatever it may be. I, I just appreciate like however you're supporting this podcast, if you're supporting it at all. So thank you. Thank you. Also leave your thoughts on the on the AFC West teams I covered today, the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the LA Clip, oh, sorry, the Chargers. <laughs> Let me know about your thoughts on all four of these teams as well as the other 28 teams that we covered this past month in July. And we're almost there. We're almost halfway there. <laughs> uh, more than halfway there actually towards the beginning of the NFL regular season and I am excited and I hope you guys are excited too. And I can't wait to cover another NFL season yet again. But that is it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. Thank you for tuning in to this fine, fine episode. Episode number 112, episode 112 of this icy yet spicy podcast filled with the most filthy casual takes for all those casual sports fans. Make sure to listen to the podcast wherever you get them, whether it's YouTube or on your preferred audio platform. Follow the show on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. And as always, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. And until next time, and until the NFL season kicks off in 2022, 